0: Welcome back. We are live for another episode of Growing With My Fellow Growers. I'm your host, Jack Greenstock, joined, as always, by an amazing panel. I'm going to pass it over first, like I normally do, to Spartan Grown, who's got a smoky room over there. Cheers, Spartan Grown.
1: What's up, guys? I just had a big bong rip. Um, Spartan Grown. You can find me on Instagram at Spartan Grown, all one word, no spaces. Or you can shoot me a message on Instagram. I mean, on Instagram. You can do that on Instagram, or you can shoot me an is- <laughs> A message through email at spartangrown at gmail.com. Either way, you get a hold of me.
0: Happy to uh, have you back, as always. You can find me uh, at JackGreenStock47 at gmail.com. If you're one of those email-only people, as well as Spartan always reminds me. Next up, Brandon Rust. Welcome back.
2: What's going on, guys? I've been super busy, always busy, man. It's crazy. around um, here. I'm Brandon Rust, if you guys don't know who I am. For the listeners, if there's new people in the chat, you can find me on IG as well at rust.brand. And you can find links to Bokashi Earthworks, my company, and uh, my farm uh, in my bio.
0: Sorry, I was just muting my YouTube on my phone so I could get my live chat up, and that's just a reminder for anybody who's here—the eight of you so far, uh, like Vero HTX, the first one I see. Cheers, everyone! Cheers to you, Vero, Thunder Dan, and a few others here with us already. Um, just always a good reminder to click on over to that live chat so you can see all the messages. But next up, as always, Matthew Gates. Welcome back.
3: Hey, it's Matthew Gates. I'm an IPM specialist. For those who don't know, that's Integrated Pest Management, and if you'd like to find more of my content related to that, especially with cannabis, you can find it on my YouTube channel, Xenthanol. You can also find it on my Instagram channel, Sync Angel, also on Twitter, at Sync Angel.
0: Glad to have you back, as always. Looking forward to the conversation we're about to get into, but we have next, Kyle Breeder. Welcome back.
4: Hey, everybody. Uh, yeah, my name is Kyle Breeder. Uh, I typically specialize in cannabis breeding with feminized seeds, uh, feminizing plants and making feminized seeds. If you're looking for that kind of thing, I do have a website, uh, which is the letter P followed by breeding.com. You can actually, I don't have much on there now, but, uh, I do have a new drop coming soon, but, um, there is some material on there now. And if uh, you're looking for anything, I'm doing predicated breeding on all social media platforms. I am doing a giveaway every Wednesday. If uh, you'd like some free gear and, uh, other than that, yeah, feel free to reach out. if If anybody ever has any questions, I'm pretty friendly on there.
0: I've uh, seen you being very active on there with the giveaways and keeping in touch with people, so I can vouch for that as well. Uh, next up, we've got the breeder, uh, one of the breeders I'm growing, their gear right now, the American
5: one. Hello, Jack, panel, everyone in chat. I'm the American one on the YouTubes and the American one underscore with underscore 18s on the IG. And uh, yeah, it's good to be here. I hope everyone had a great week. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here.
0: Happy to have you back. Uh, We were talking a little bit before the show uh, about the hurricane going on. We just wish everybody well in those areas. Stay safe. Um, It is the anniversary of Katrina. I just Googled and confirmed before the show. My wife mentioned that earlier today. So hurricanes are serious. People do die. Um, If you're in an area where you think you might have to evacuate, then uh, that might be the safest thing to do with, who knows, uh, some people that live there have better ideas of what to do there. But on the grow topics, I'm growing some of the American ones, Amy Aces, right now. And uh, I'm about... Week four in flower, it's starting to get a little bit of a more citrus smell than I was expecting. Some uh, lemon, like uh, limey terpenes coming off of there and uh, pleasantly surprised. It's very, very dense for how early it is in the flower. It is looking like it's going to be a fantastic yielder. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, do you ever find any citrus in the Amy Aces, the American one? It also,
4: what's the parental lineage of that when you get a chance to answer that? I'm kind of curious. Yeah,
5: I'm sorry. I'm, I got a new screen on my device here and the touch is a little bit weird right now. So I apologize if I'm a little slow on the unmute. But yeah, there's some, a couple of times people have gotten like pine solely kind of smell. Um, and it, it's constantly changing. So it might fade out by the time you've done flowering. You know, it's constantly a changing smell in there. Um, the parent is Cheesequake Male. With uh, a a big C clone that I've kept for like eight or ten years now, and I really don't know what that one is, but it does have an a, an OG type structure, but it's really not OG type flavoring on it. It's like uh, the I get a lot of hash and like a new new blue blue stickball smell on that on the mother. Like of the, the handball. <laughs> yeah, handball, not not tennis, but a handball. Dude, it's and, funny uh, you say that
0: because. Earlier, it was very rubbery in flour. Yeah. And like new shoe is what I would describe it as. Like, right, right.
5: Some of that new kind of rubber, some kind of rubber. Yep. Yep. So, and it changes too. It, it, it That one changes as well. So, it's always interesting. But yeah, that's it, it expresses a lot of different flavors. But a lot of times by the end, it has a hashy. And, and even the cheese, cheese comes out a lot, like uh, UK cheese kind of flavor, I've been told. So,
0: I, I smelled some cheese notes earlier in there. And I was, <laughs> I was thinking it was just maybe. Um, like in my own head because i knew that there's some cheese in lineage with the uh right. cheese but,
5: but i don't know it does kind of change feels- day, to day. yeah yeah so it'll be interesting to see how it turns out all together at the end
0: i'm very excited for it uh it's next to a donnie burger which is a gmo cross to gmo cross to OG gf8 i'm also interested in a gmo cross that brandon's That's growing that, good, OG, yeah. that uh cherry pie that gmo it looks fucking fantastic how's that smelling over there brandon how's the garden
2: Good, man. The heat has been something. The, the, the climate out here has been difficult, but uh, we're pulling through it. I think our next thing is getting a boron filter because uh, our, even with uh, our RO system, it's not filtering out the boron. Uh, but, yeah, other than that, man, uh, just doing our thing. Uh, the Bigot OG is a dope ass plant to say the least. It outgrows everything, it outpaces everything, but then it takes a little bit longer to finish. But um, you do it right, you can push that thing pretty hard and uh, it throws down. And we have GMO as well. We have that Skunk Master Flex Cut, um, and I've grown them side by side in that. GMO cherry pie will do twice as much with that regular GMO test. It's just like um, we have a third of our greenhouse of that stuff right now. And we decided that's one of those things that we're gonna be running during summer months, you know. Right now, what we're doing is finding varieties that work for different seasons, and usually, you know, we're like, oh, we need something that works well for just this area, but it's not just the area. It's uh, it's also the climate that consistently changes, and being able to find varieties that can deal with that. Uh, that S-F-V-O-G does really, really well. That GMO cherry pie does really well. Uh, That's what we're really. growing so uh, uh, right now we're just kind of dialing everything in. The GMO is good, man. I like the GMO crosses. I like the structure of the plant. Um, if you can get that structure where you get nice, big, like it stacks really hard, like the nodes, um, and, they're, and they're fat, but they're spaced out so they don't stack up on top of each other. I really like that type of structure because um, it leaves a lot, of, a lot more area open so that way like it's uh, less difficult for like small tight pit places for botrytis to form or uh, you know any any type of thing like that
0: you know, so. I definitely agree with you on the uh, structure I like the uh, structure stuff the bigger note spacing some stuff like the ogs and things like that can tend to fill in that gap uh, depending on how you know, heavily it can fill out in the strain and everything like that. But uh, I threw a poll in the chat for anybody who hasn't voted. There's uh, 66 live with us, and it looks like we've got 29 voted, so about half of us are there. I just threw up a few random topics like heat management, blackout management, because uh, the whole hurricane thing, there's other reasons that people might be having blackouts, like heat, for example, in California, rolling brown and blackouts things like that. Uh, more garden updates is a popular one right now. It's tied for first place, and then IPM as well. Uh, if you guys have any other topics you'd like to hear about, you can tag me on the Grow account or Jack Greenstock. That way it will pop up in red for me to see. And uh, hopefully we can keep this on a topic that the people here are most interested in. So as far as garden updates, um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. The GMOs stretching and things like that are tends to lead to a beautiful structure on the plant. And uh, I'll pass it over next to Kyle and let's hear what you've got going on over there in your garden.
4: Uh yeah, right now I have a bunch of plants that are in like I guess essentially week like 18 because I flipped them all once they all got uh pollinated, all the other girls I have, which is a, a pollination between or a, I'm sorry, a collaboration between me and Green Bodie. Um he sent me, as you guys already know, his hazy kush femme pollen, sent me like a whole bunch of that stuff. So I, I basically tossed it in my whole four by eight with all the, the cuts that I've some a couple that I've already had, like New England rock candy. Um and uh, a couple of the other ones I have, but I also have uh, some new stuff that I've, that I some new crosses that I made that uh, I really enjoy. And that root beer by uh, GMO that uh, me and Gene sent me with the collaboration between Skunk Tech. But once they all got pregnant, I basically just flipped it back to 18.6 uh, and I already have like massive clone growth going. So I'm at the point now where I'm basically gonna harvest all those cuts. Uh, put them in a dome and then harvest all the plants and let them dry out completely until I can get them to like a, you know, almost powder form. So that way the actual bark on the seed uh, is, is really dry. And I, I, you know, I tend to have really good luck in that scenario. Um, but yeah, so I have uh, you know, the limarilla from Brendan, I have that root beer by GMO that has the uh, hazy Kush, the New England rock candy. I have a, uh, <clears throat> a variety called strawberry sugar cookies which is a, an Afghan cherry by a uh, master Kush cross that I did. Um, I have uh, the Mac one. I'm sorry, Mac in general, the breeder's cut, Max cut, Cap cut. Uh, that's got some of that hazy Kush pollen in it. Um,
2: uh, that hazy Kush plant too. We just took like a couple of trays. That's yeah, the, well, well, the production, we're gonna try it out.
4: That's pretty cool. He sent you a cut. Huh? He's a good guy, man.
2: Dude, that dude sent me like forty cuts, man. He sent me like uh, lemon skunk dog, dog walker, Obama Kush, the Tanzania Kush, or whatever it is that he posts. He sent me uh, sour OG, GMO times Hills OG, and uh, yeah, something else. I'm missing one. Yeah, he sent me a bunch of stuff, and they all, they all, I just none of them uh, died. Which I was—I usually kill shit that comes in the mail. Yeah, he's a good guy, man. You know that's what I love
4: about him. And I think I was telling Jack there or somebody before, but like for a while I was reaching out to a lot of people in the industry just to you know to collab and try and like bring some more stuff to the community. And you know it's what we should be doing as a community, anyways, is like working together. And there's so many other people. I'm not—I'm not, not going to name drop that. Like, didn't basically did wouldn't even like didn't have the time to respond to me, even though it blatantly shows you know shows that they read it. And it's like. But him, you know, him and like some other guys were just like completely all about just like it's all about the community man and just showing love and what goes around comes around and people who have that type of mentality it's just a just a good thing to see and it's just a really long it's a lost it's a lost uh culture and a lot yeah, of there's a lot resisted.
0: of a lot of greed and competition unfortunately and not a lot of people looking for that spirit of collaboration um another person who i just saw who uh, is part of that collaboration is Spartan grown I just saw your breeders cut being crossed to something on 2020 Mendocino's page. Somebody was talking about, oh, I didn't know 2020 has uh, autos. And I was like, dude, they've been doing them for like at least two years. I've been hearing about it now. And I scrolled back through the page like 2019 and there's them pollinating one of their auto flowers, like new projects coming soon. And uh, so it was cool to see and a uh, big fan of uh, 2020 and the whole group over there, all good people from all accounts, all the times I've dealt with them tend to be great people. and. Uh, Spartan, just uh, curious if you're still growing that snow cane cut yourself, or if you've just handed it off and uh, have it kept other places and general garden update from you. How you doing?
1: Thanks, Jack. Um, yeah, for sure. I still have snow cane. Um, it's a mom plant, but I am seeking to, I've got two seedlings going right now. They're still young of the, uh, they're F twos, but they're calling them version twos. Uh, so on those F twos, I'm, I'm, uh, hoping to find something better than the snow cane. I mean, that's, that's what that's the point of it. If I don't, I'm not going to keep, I popped two of those. If neither one's better than my snow cane, then I'm just going to keep hunting. They gave me, I think it's 15 seeds of those. So, and they're all femme. So I should be able to find out of 15 seeds. If I don't find one better than snow cane, then I don't think it's there, but I, I fully believe that I'm going to find something better just from the description that they gave me. It was like they use snow cane on the one side to bring the structure and the frost. And then on the other side, they brought the terps with it. So if it's better terps than what I had, but with the same structure, I would be excre- extremely happy with that.
0: I'm looking forward to seeing, I think honestly, um, I've heard a lot of good things about the variety that comes out of F2. There's like usually an outlier and that to me would imply, even if it's like FEMS, you might find something that is just really unique and special uh, in that F2 that you might not see at the F1. So. Uh, hopefully you do find something special in those 15 seats. But uh, if not, then uh, you still got your cut. So it's yeah, a sure. win all the way around.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I don't really have a loss. And that cut's out there. It was passed around to everybody that participated, at least to uh, hopefully everybody. Um, And they have it, obviously, because they're still breeding with it. They've got another cross that they're doing Sparkle Face. They crossed with Snow Cane. No, they didn't cross Sparkle Face. They crossed. They made Sparkle Face with it. I can't remember. It was Snow Cane times... Hmm. Oh, well, it's the spice, which is a biscotti crops. And I have that going outside, so I'm excited for that. And um, I also have two of Brandon's uh, limelights going. Uh, they're seedlings right now, but they're looking good. And then um, yeah, I'm going to reverse order, so it's hurting my head to do that. And then uh, let me see what else I got. Oh, okay. So then I have in my in my veg, I'm setting up, it's like a big experiment. I'm fucking around. I'm playing with how many plants I can do in a sip container. So in my veg, I have two planters with four GG4s each in it. So it's really eight plants and two planters. And they're they're taking up a half of a 4 by 4 And then the other half is um, I've got a Spartan glue by itself like I normally run. And then I have uh, the other planter is two Spartan glues in the same pot so and right now the two spartan glues in the same pot are way taller than everything else so that's already a pain in my dick but i always (laughs) like to do this to myself i don't know why and then um in flower i've got uh let me see i got a gg4 going a spartan glue going they're about to come down and then uh sour d still left in there and then i have my bliss bug which that's my funnest thing right now so bliss blood, I've got three phenos. I've pretty much eliminated phenol two because I found a male flower and a few seeds in while I was trimming it. And so then I'm down to phenol number one and pheno number three. Phenol number one was a bud structure more like my closest strain would be snow cane, real dense. Um, well, maybe like gorilla glue four, kind of like that kind of a bud structure. But then the other one is the phenol three is more like sour diesel and more, almost like growing cattails and um between the two of them it's interesting the one is it takes a while like it was like almost a month so after two week dry and then a month onto that i started getting this really good berry turp that never smelled the entire grow it just came out in the cure It's one of those crazy weird things this other one the one is my favorite right now is the fino three and um shout out when my joint went out but it's almost out anyway but shout out to detroit river Rat, his he handed me a, a joint of his sour d but i passed him this pheno and um, i don't really have a way to describe it other than if you smoke sour d it's like the diesel part of sour d but it doesn't have any of the sour And it's gas. So it's like I call it the gassy, if you know, of the two um, of the two, because it reminds me so much the D, which makes sense because that's that's one of the parents. That was the the mother plant. So I'm really excited for it because when I smoked it, even before it was cured, it it went longer, too. Of all the three phenols, it went the longest. And then um, it went an extra like two weeks past the other two phenols. And then it also, the high was like, it, it's a creeper. You, you smoke the whole joint and you're like, well, that didn't do much. Then all of a sudden, a half hour later, you're high as hell and you don't realize, you don't know why. And then you're like, oh yeah, that joint is just now finally hitting me. And it's one of those ones that's kind of last a little bit too, which I really liked. So I haven't, I haven't,
2: I haven't seen that in a long time. I, I was telling someone probably like a month ago, I was like, what ever happened to that creeper weed that we used to smoke that? would just hit so, you and you
1: you know i think it's the tie i don't know but i think it's the tie and, and when i picked uh the uh, the other side is the uh, it's a pineapple tie which was what was a pineapple tie and they hit that with what was it sour oh, sour strawberry yeah sour strawberry but i picked out of that out of out of those stock i picked the one that was as most leaning as i could find it wasn't any berry wasn't any sour you know what i mean it was all spicy is how I described it more. And um so I don't know. I think the weirdness you know is coming from that tie lineage, but I don't I don't know. I'm just I would just... agree
4: with that fully man. Yeah, but when I smoke that once in a while I tap into that land race tie that I grew in. It's like I'll just be sitting there extremely calm and the next thing I know I'm just like in this different world already. So I don't know.
2: I'm I'm excited. I haven't really had a whole lot of opportunity I don't think to grow from, you know, that I knew were like legit Thai genetics, but I do
1: have some Dude, stuff from... Uh, I've got some stuff. Okay, I shot, I don't know if he's not in the chat right now, but Captain420 is how, what he goes by on here. But he, I've got him right here. He had a whole bunch of these, but he picked these out in the wild, to Thailand before he left. And these are just Thai times Thai. You know what I mean? Wild landress Thai. I've got about, I don't know what it looks like here, maybe 25 to 30 seeds here.
2: Did he um, meet up with you guys just recently? Yes, like a couple of days yeah. ago. I was talking to yeah. him. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, because yeah. I recommended he get a hold of you because he was looking into yeah. uh, organic growing. I said you just need to get a hold of Brandon Rust. I
4: think. Yeah, you know I, those I things are legit
1: because
4: those seeds are like because I know I could talk from the, almost the camera, but they're freaking massive, dude. They're
0: it, like. It really that. depends on what part of Thailand because there's highland and lowland Thai. They're very different. Some have tiny ass. Uh, somebody told- showed me a dime or a, there was like a whatever seed challenge, how many seeds you can fit on a quarter or something. And some of them were Thai and they fit like a 100, near 100 plus or something. I was going to say,
1: these ones look, hold on, let me pull, hold them up again. But they look- have, The ones uh, I have are small. To I me, they look N05 smaller thigh, than what I normally thigh. see.
3: Oh, wow. Yeah, my are massive. I want to interject and say that uh, in that cannabis genome research that I've talked about in the past where they're trying to look for the origin, um, they do make the point uh, and I also made the point that like oftentimes and this is true for plants in general, smaller seeds are associated with being more uh, able to like expand and invade new territories, whereas bigger bigger seeds are generally not the case for kind of obvious reasons. And I wonder if um the small seed phenotype in cannabis, or at least in like more natural populations, um, kind of had these effects and, and helped to kind of Uh, broaden and broaden and then those that establish maybe uh get bigger and bigger seeds so i think that's very interesting
1: that is interesting because of course in wind currents or water currents could carry them further
0: yeah skunk man sam had a thing where he talked about like the how many seeds weigh to a gram and one of them it was like only it was like a chinese hemp variety it only took like seven or eight seeds to make a full gram because they were like so fat like huge ass seeds, and then there was another one, I think it was a Thai variety, that there was uh, several like thousand to make a gram. So there's a huge uh, variety, and I think like Matthew alluded to, maybe the cultivation might favor towards the larger one. If it was uh, Chinese hemp, they had thousands of years cultivating and using it for a specific purpose. Maybe it was for feed or like fishing uh, bait and things like that. So they wanted bigger seed or it just naturally evolved. Uh, I know Dr. MJ in the past has mentioned for many millennia, many farmers just selected the larger seed because they thought it was a healthier one because bigger the better, right? So they just went with the bigger ones for a long time. So that could play into it. And uh, there's a lot of things that definitely play into it. Brandon, I want to send some to you because I have some from some Thai stick from the 90s and then some hand-selected highland and lowland Thai from one of my Mentors, I guess, here in San Diego. And uh, it was that jar that I talked about that he opened it up and he saw it bud from the 90s and it's still super spicy. So, like, that showed me that I think beta cariofilene sticks around and maybe some other yeah. uh, smells in cannabis can last a long time.
2: I have some of Kyle's Highland Tie that he sent me that I haven't, that I still haven't gone through yet. And then uh, I have uh, the NL5 tie. Oh, wow. By uh, that that uh, Dave gave uh AK Bean Brains gave me on uh, on uh, IG and he always sends me stuff and so he he hooked me up with like the Williams Wonder times limo G which is strange because the limo G actually came in from a friend of mine out here from Oklahoma Mick um, and I know that plank like, gets huge. Um, and then there are some other ones, uh, the derb lime, which I haven't tried that one, I haven't sprouted that during poison types, lime emoji
4: I completely but, agree with you about that, Jack. So those those two plants that are on my feet from like when I first met you guys, those two Thai plants that I did grow, I kept the sticks because they were like canes and I was gonna like you know use them forever. And when I still rub that, and it's just been sitting out in my closet as like a regular stick. When I still rub that that, that stick, I still get Thai flavor from it, which is crazy because it's just been out in the elements doing nothing. So it is a, it's, it, it sticks. It's really weird.
2: Yeah. I've been hesitant to pop those tie seeds that Kyle gave me because I watched his story and I watched those things just continue to grow for like 100, like well over 100 days. And I was, and then I saw the end and I was just like, oh, that seemed like a lot of work for,
4: yeah, it's definitely. I w- it's for indoor cultivation, you probably have to go st- straight into flower mode to actually make it work and not be like struggling and trying to figure out what the hell to do with it. It's just, yeah, it's just it multiplied by. I flowered it out at two feet and it ended up being like 12 feet long. So that's an eight multiplier, you know. It was like it's, it's just stupid,
2: but outdoor, I bet those things get massive.
4: Oh, huge, man, huge! You just and I got let some, them go fully, yeah. And I have those crossed the Kerala. I put some autoflower into that. I have so I have like so many crazy Thai crosses. I have like Rock Candy by Thai. I, just because I didn't know what would what would come from taking something so pure and then crossing like modern. I have like some modern cushed yeah. into that Thai, and uh, I don't know. Is exciting? I can't wait to get some some land to do something with
1: it. I heard there's a lot of THCV uh, in in the Thai stuff, so that's interesting because it's got. Properties that supposedly help with cancer. It's got properties that suppress appetite. Which, my God, does the U.S. need that? There's a product called Skinny Weed
0: in California that implements the THCV as well as humuline I believe is the other appetite suppressant terpene that is found in cannabis. That because like there's some times where I won't get the munchies at all. Like I'll I'll use some stuff and I was about to eat and then it just suppressed my appetite. So I do think that it can show up in a variety of things. I know some cool stuff was known, like Vortex, uh, JTR, uh, Jack the Ripper. Um, The other one, though, uh, Jack's Cleaner, too, was known for having uh, the THCV. So it's definitely interesting. Another thing I was just thinking about earlier, Brandon mentioned the seasonal change and how he's gonna start looking for varieties that do well in certain seasons, like Thai might actually handle heat really well. Uh, it might be giant really unwieldy but it might just be able to handle a lot of heat and uh, maybe even humidity during those rainier times and uh, things like that there was a guy um he works for uh, sunday goods and the farm who were featured on growers networks Can of cribs which i think uh, spartans crew is going to be featured on there soon if they haven't already been but um he talked about how in arizona they have like monsoon season and then they have really hot and dry seasons so they have different strains for different parts of the year and it really works extremely well for them. And um, it also also offers you more variety for your patients and things like that. So it is a dual benefit, but it's something that you have to learn with a new setting. So I'm curious, uh, what are some of the strains that you found that are doing well in the heat so far, Brandon? Is there anything else that you're looking to try?
2: Well, we know that the GMO and GMO cherry pie do pretty well in the heat. And also that SSV that we ran, but we have a lot of other stuff that we're going to run. We're going to run all that stuff from Bodie that we have. Uh, we just took cuts of that and we're getting ready to go into cool season. So we're going to go back and run, I think, more of some of the stuff that we know did does really well, that we can get really big, like the Mac V2. Um, and some of the other stuff that we have in there, I think we have a, uh, we have a lot of stuff um but we're just you know we're just we're looking at the different varieties that's why i have that testing box too Um, just to you we always want to try to maximize our space and to it's uh it's different at, at such a large scale with the type of greenhouse that we have you know we're one of the things we're looking into is the like 25 ton or uh 50 ton diesel mobile ac units that during the hottest months of the summer if it's ec- economic you know enough to be able to cool the greenhouses down uh, what we're able to do in winter time we're able to get, uh to keep our greenhouses like obviously way way cooler so we can have our lights on all the time, our supplemental lighting during winter time. And then we also one of the things that I was thinking about is we have our heaters. You know, the heaters will click on. Um, if it gets below, you know, 74, 72 degrees, either I can't remember. It's between there. And they're propane heaters. And so that's pumping out a massive amount of CO2 during the winter time. And then, you know, uh, one of the things that we're doing is we're adding a lot more plants per square foot and then we're doing way heavier printing um, that seems to really help increase uh yields because
4: what are your, what are your terms What's uh, you
2: peeking out at brandon
3: and what's your plant load like how many plants per square meter so
2: we started off with five plants for every four by four. And that's approximately one yard of soil. So we have 22 sections equating to I think, a total of 85 feet. And each section, each four by four, and it's divided by like a PVC pipe, right? Cause we're in the fabric beds is one yard of soil. And so we started off with five in the beginning and we're like this, you know, it was wintertime when we did it, and so we had huge fucking plants. So it was all right, but we wanted to do less veg time, obviously, because we don't want to have to spend a month in veg. You know, maybe like 10 days would be adequate. So we started doing nine, but when I'm looking at overall canopy um, after defoliation is done, I can see that there are. A lot of areas that could still be filled in, so I'm gonna try uh, uh, 13 next. So we'll have a nine setup pattern with uh, a die, like a four section in the in the centers of that three six nine row. Uh, we're gonna try that setup, but I have a feeling that we're gonna end up with probably. Man, probably around 20 plants per 4x4, with a shorter veg time. Um, 20 plants they, in
3: 4x4. Yeah. Okay.
0: It's like a basically like the old school uh, screen of green, you know, just a lot smaller plant, uh, okay. shorter veg time, so you can flip quicker and fill out all those spaces, even with a fairly heavy defoliation. One of our former members can can grow experimented pretty heavily with the number of plants per 4x4 so he had 4x4 tents and he was using rock wool cubes and doing like a flood and drain tray and it was it, he had like i want to say sometimes 30 plus in a uh, 4x4 but they're like single plant cola straight up uh in a small tent but it's very interesting you can go back and look at his stuff he's not really active on social medias anymore but it is there's crazy possibilities of how many plants you can fit uh, especially if you don't have a plant count, like you don't have an Oklahoma. So you have that benefit.
2: We have a uh, really good starts, right? If we're starting off good, we could have a 10 day or 14 day veg and those plants are going to get real beefy. You know, we can train them all still. It's just being able to do have the proper timing to be able to go in there and prune everything is like, you know, what we're seeing is, that scheduling, you just gotta have your scheduling like down, and if you have everything on on point, I think that you can that we're gonna increase uh, our production without having to have you know huge, like we can create like dude the plants that I have right now are still kind of a little big in my opinion. I think that they can be a lot shorter and still produce the same just. You know, that's, I'm not, I'm not seeing a huge difference between plant height and yield, you know, I think it's all about the timing and, uh, just making sure everything's kind of dialed in.
3: Anything that's the, the, that's that's the domestication phenotype, basically. I think we talked about that earlier too, getting it shorter, stouter, and then getting the parts that you want to grow like big or volumously. And then uh not really worrying about the other stuff so much
2: because there's some varieties that will that i like will even approach differently when it comes to you know how much we're going to turn off the bottom because i know some stuff is going to create lower that become really dense too and if you take all that up stuff off of that specific variety, it might, uh, you, you might potentially be losing you know, a percentage of that total Obviously that variety.
0: It's definitely something you have to learn from uh, strain to strain, cultivar to cultivar, whatever you want to call them. It is uh, a learning process, no doubt. And uh, Kyle, you unmuted there for a second. I do not know if you wanted to jump in.
4: Uh, no, I'm just hitting buttons back. And-
0: no worries. Yeah, it's definitely um, one thing one of the OGs told me back when I was beginning growing was anything. If you see these people with like grows with really, really long bare legs at the end where they like got like several feet of stalk, and then like their buds are up top. That's like all wasted time and veg, right? Because if they would have just vegged for a shorter period of time, uh, they could have flipped and then had roughly the same yield. Because if you look at usually their canopies, and this is an un- unideal situation. I mean, obviously sometimes people grow big ass plants and they yield very well and they're not stripping the whole bottoms up. But, uh, I think people do tend to over veg or maybe remove too much off the bottom, but it does, uh, very strain to strain. One person I didn't check in with yet so far as uh, one of our cannabis growers is the American one. How's your garden doing? What are you growing? Uh, anything new going on over there or exciting?
5: Um, Sorry about the delay. My uh, I pretty much still I got a whole bunch of uh those chocolate tie in uh the small and veg right now. And I have a couple of big plants in flower. Uh nothing too new. I have uh two of those chocolate feminized seeds out of six. I got two plants come up. So that was a little disappointing. But the chocolate tie, uh OG from AK Bean Brains, every one of those popped up. So that's where I'm at right now. Uh, yeah. And I still have that mutant one. It's still going, still alive. It hasn't sex. I don't know if it's going to be able to make sex parts, but.
0: <laughs> the forever bush. That thing is just going to spiral and spiral until you just decide to give up on it, I think. I don't know if it'll ever flower or produce anything. That thing was uh, we'll quite see the I... <laughs> It's separated at this point right now. You put it outside in the sun and it kind of did its thing for a little while.
5: It's still growing. Yeah. I got fresh pictures if you want to see them.
0: I guess we could use an update if you have it on hand, if you mm-hmm. can find them quickly or whenever you have them ready, I could share, uh, your ability to share screen or whatever.
5: Yeah. yeah I'll
0: go right Matthew, uh, do you have anything going on in your garden right now?
3: Yeah, actually, uh, I was super happy to find that, um, and this is not cannabis related. Uh, so maybe this will be a little bit of a palate cleanser, but, um, Uh, I have a very rare dragon fruit cultivar um, that was uh, given to me uh, by some people at the California Rare Fruit Growers Association in their San Diego chapter. Uh, This has probably been maybe one or no. It's been three years, actually. Dang, at least. Time uh flash. since I got it yeah <laughs> well t- t- two of those years did not feel real but anyways um I I, I had this for a while and uh it was kind of kind of it was kind of growing in s- sort of stasis um uh, I knew that I could take more time to sort of really grow it out but I didn't have a whole uh a lot of a plan or space because I was growing other plants at the time but now I've found that um uh, I, I've, I've started to give it a little bit more water because it's a cactus like plant, you know, it is a cactus. So um, I was uh, giving it a little bit more water and a little bit more sun. And uh, I positioned it um, a little bit differently in the backyard and uh, it's starting to really ramp up in growth. And I'm just kind of excited about that because, um, you know, for those who have had dragon fruit, a lot of people are familiar with like a sort of a whitish flesh fruit. Or a reddish, or a very deep red, in fact, um, flesh fruit. But um, this one's yellow, and also you can. It's also kind of, um, I described it as heirloom. I'm actually blanking on the name. I feel really bad because uh, the one time I could actually talk about it, um, I have forgotten it. <laughs> but I have it somewhere in my uh, folder. Uh, but the cool thing is that it has sort of like I don't know, if they're like loquidia or whatever, but like those little thorns. That are like very very fine very very minute um it has those on the ridges which is kind of something you see taken out in like typical domestication cultivars because of course uh, they're a real hassle to deal with um so yeah i'm excited about that and my loquat tree is still producing a ton my grapevine is growing large and um we still get uh the glassy wing sharpshooter on that but um yeah uh, that's my update
0: glad to hear that's the big Low loquat right another san diego local that's thing.
3: that's correct big gyms i'm glad that you reminded you were reminded of that yeah
0: i'm in the california rare fruit growers association even though i haven't partaken in any of the scion swaps i think it's interesting and awesome to see all the cool and unique shit that people grow here and maybe someday i guess there, there's so much just these people are growing out there I, i'm happy for them it makes them happy they share you participated in it and it's like uh, they have a lot of knowledge to share and be learned from. And that's where like Swami, John, not Swami Johnny. Uh, what's his name? Johnny Canese found the whole uh, root year cl- clones and sand tech from some fruit growers, uh, YouTube channel that he was watching or something. And it works really well for him. So cheers to uh, Johnny Canese with that Spartan growing it before the show. You said you got a free shirt. You're rocking it right now. I gave you a compliment on it. I think it looks pretty badass. It's a dank shirt. Uh, who'd you get it from? And I think I see Clio on there. And I think uh, Clio a yeah. pretty badass place. I'm probably mispronouncing
1: it. Maybe Clio. I I always say Clio. I don't know. But uh, Clio Cultivation buddy out there, he had his uh, 11th anniversary bash. He has a cup on Friday. And then on uh, Saturday, it's just a big blowout bash. I was there Saturday. <laughs> it's usually really busy the first day. And the second day, it's chill. And that's, that's what I'm about. And uh, yeah, we had a good time. We went out there. Um, I went out with my buddy Bakes Pone from the Michigan Rose Grow Show. He drove, so I didn't even have to drive. That was awesome because it's like two hours. And uh, we got out there, and, and I don't know. We might have been – it was kind of quick. We were there for maybe five hours maybe. But, uh, so, you know, I, I people stopping me before I even get in the, in the facility. You know, so I, I was just, like, feeling like I was getting pulled 100 directions, but I had a great time. I had a great time. You know, of course, i would missed people like I always do but uh, I got to talk to a lot of people too I got to meet a lot of people it's always cool to put faces to to names that you see in chat you know I, I really got to hang out quite a bit with uh, Detroit River rat it was pretty fucking awesome hanging with him he uh, hooked me up with some of his sour diesel in fact I smoked a, the joint that he already had pre-rolled of it and I was fucking feeling pretty high before I even finished that joint which is a pretty rare thing for me so that's a big, uh, thumbs up from Spartan there. Detroit river at, I like that, but yeah, that was it was a great time. Great
0: time. I love hearing that when people get to meet up with the members of the community, make it feel a lot more real. Cause it, it really is there. And you're a figurehead of the community. You're on so many different shows. It's like when somebody runs up to you, it's not like, Oh, I know you're from cheap home grow. It's like, I know you're from GML or Michigan bros grow show or, you know, any number of shows that they could have seen you on. So it's cool for a lot of these people, um, to get to finally meet you and, uh, they realize you're a real person you know just like any of uh, the people listening you like to grow oh, your man. own
1: and it just fucking i was able to uh gift out grand. i, I got these little small like little gram uh it's not small that's how they sell them in the dispensaries but i like the five gram ones but i had the little one gram uh i don't know what you call them syringes dental syringes and um full of rso so i was able to just pass them out to a lot of people because you know that's my passion i've talked about it before that's kind of I've just healed so many people with that. I didn't heal anybody. The fucking plant heals so many people with this RSO, this full spectrum uh, RSO that uh, it's just, I love to get it out there to people who, you know, when I hand it to somebody and they like, look like they don't, you know, never had it before. That's my favorite. That's my favorite because I want them to, you know, that li- that little vial I gave them will last them a fucking year. You know what I mean? At a tiny dose, you know, and that just, I just know that's going to fucking work. It's going to make their life better. So, every single one of those that I hand out and they try to give me money, I'm just like, don't worry about it, man. This is why I do this shit. You know, I want, I just want to get out there and get people turned on to the positivity of the plant because I don't care what anybody says or anybody tries to brainwash people. If you're sick and you're hurting and you try something and it fucking works, all that other bullshit is out the window. And that's, that's the power of RSO.
0: I think that's the power of uh, a great caregiver who's cultivated some clean cannabis and has extracted it with passion and given it to somebody free of charge. That is healing. Just the gift, the the feeling that they got when they got it, even before they took it, the feeling of gratitude immediately, whether they even say thank you or not. Most people, I think like it, when they get something that they want, are going to be very happy from it. So that little burst of happiness is a dopamine hit. And uh, when they go home and they get medicated and they, aren't aching and having pains and they sleep better and they eat a nice meal and they have all those things, so those benefits. I do think that you deserve some of that credit and that healing. So, uh, I think that, you know, shout out to you Spartan for helping those people in the community mm-hmm. and everybody who's gotten a chance to try some of Spartans, good medicine out there. He sent a good question in the chat from Kula J 29. How do I get rid of leaf rot in veg saying bacterial infection on my leaf app using Jack's in cocoa. Uh, and that's from Kula J 29.
3: obviously a question for me, right? That's (laughs) what I was thinking. (laughs) So, um, I actually did see that comment as well. I wanted to go back to it because I wanted to, uh, take a look at it a little bit more in detail, but, um, I mean, first I would, I would just ask to like, confirm that you, that you know what you're looking at because, uh, we don't really know the pathogens very well. And I get, I've actually been getting a lot of, um, pictures lately of, uh, uh, sclerotinia in uh, in cannabis which looks like a lot of other fungal pathogens but it kind of like it looks like a um how do i put this like like a like a great usually if it infects the stems and just kind of like kills the stem from like one wound point up and down it travels and it like coats the 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 stem in like a white powder kind of like powdery mildew in that way but powdery mildew wouldn't look like this at all um anyways uh so so i asked that because i'm not sure how they know what they know and if they're actually dealing with a bacterial pathogen at all Uh, not to like question anyone you know's competency or anything but it can be very difficult to really tell well especially
0: Um, not just to add to your point because i have probably incorrectly diagnosed things in the past because cannabis resources and websites unfortunately are not perfect right now at this point like you might go to a website that has great information that is accurately going to identify something, but you also might go to a website that is misidentifying it, or you think it is one thing that looks like something, but it's something else that looks similar to it. Um, Especially as a a newer grower, uh, I could definitely see that being the case. That's why I wish that they could somehow send us pictures or uh, I don't know if we can maybe track down their Instagram or something to see and uh, confirm with some photos. Cause that was going to be my question. Usually when I'm in these situations, trying to help a grower out, you can, actually ask for a photo of it and then go back and forth and uh provide a little bit more feedback but i'm curious uh matthew if you have any more thoughts on that before passing it to the rest of the panel
1: i
4: just wanted to can i ask you a question but i also want you to hear your answer with this and what you're talking about and what jack just said how do you get how do you personally feel about that app that you take a pictures of these symptomatic problems and it gives you basically what's happening and do you do, do you think that's kind of vague or
3: so I've, I mean, there's a ton of apps that actually do this. There's a lot of software programs that are using, um, sort of these optical, um, like analysis software to like, to like do this. And I'm, I'm 10 years ago, I was a lot more, uh, I wasn't skeptical that it would get better. I was just not very, very dubious about the efficacy. And a lot of people would admittedly say so nowadays. Um, For bigger things, pathogens can be a little bit difficult. Some of them are just inconspicuous, so it just won't work that well. And you just got to know that. But some things I think are a lot more conspicuous visually, demonstrably so. And for things like insects, I've actually seen some pretty good, at least to like the family level sometimes or the genus level. But there's going to be, especially with insects and particularly also with microbes, um, there's going to be things that are they are not gonna be useful for you as visual data, uh, especially because, you, especially with microbes, you're only using it, you're looking at the damage profile, really. You're not actually looking at the pathogen itself. Um, so you could be dealing with one of a, a few various uh, strains uh, that might be really important to consider, which you, might, which you would definitely not know visually, um, or you're dealing with something that just does the same kind of damage and looks practically identical. And the pattern that the software picks up isn't gonna know the context for you.
0: Yeah, so it's that's just what gonna reference think about that. its algorithm, whatever photo it has. So, like let's say it was overfeeding in that, for example, like uh, something from this disease caused it to have like a yellow leaf or something, and the app has seen that yellow leaf before as being overfed with something, it might say that's overfed, but in reality mm-hmm. it is reaction to a pathogen that has similar damage as just one simple example of how that could fail, but it seems like it's getting better. And uh, in this case, leaf rot, or is that what they asked? Uh, Yeah, they said, the
3: app said it was um, leaf rot. And I I think that that's probably why you asked the question because I was talking about veracity and I just don't know if it is or isn't that myself. Um, If you did, but let's assume that's the case. If you do have some sort of a bacterial infection and it is um, systemic, for example, that's going to be really hard to deal with. Um, There are, there are some really interesting research coming out that uses like biocontrols or biologicals, even systemically or their compounds. And I think that will become a lot more um, usable and a lot more like, um, I guess you'd say like refined. Um, But I don't know of any that aren't like systemic toxins that you wouldn't really want to be using. This also is true for like fungi. Um, Some pathogens are... Epiphytes—they live on the surface, like powdery mildew. Some of them will dig deep into your plant tissues, into your xylem channels, and uh, there's not really a lot of great ways to deal with that. There's, there's some
2: other bacteria that um, that can help with uh, that are also endophytic. I think uh, there's some strains of Bacillus subtilis. There's some uh, strains of Bacillus amylo
3: a fashions yeah there's but like what would they do though like it's hard to know because pathogens are so different
1: brendan can you pull your mic a little closer you're fading out some
3: oh yeah sorry um i do agree that exclusion is one example but uh maybe not curatively you know yeah i i'm not i'm not sure but i do know that there are
2: a couple of strains i think there's i I'd have to go back through some of the uh, papers that I have because I can't think of it right off, right off the top of my head. But i I think there's a couple of different uh, bacillus species that might be able to uh, um, enter into the plant tissue as well, to live on the phylosphere.
5: But I'm not sure
2: their modes of action. You know, I, don't, I, I, you know, I'm not sure exactly what chemical compounds they're producing that would be. Uh, you know again because it gets so deep into the science and the actual biomechanics of how all these things work it's
5: yeah i think it's like uh matt was saying the exclusion if you have that bacillus already occupying the space on the plant then those pathogens can't get in there you know what i'm saying but if they're already in there it's what we were yeah.
2: kind of going about like you know i think we'll see more and more stuff come out specifically cannabis research or maybe not the companies that are able to conduct it probably hold on to it pretty tight but i mean if i can i i've been so busy and once i'm i don't know if i'll ever be able to slow down hopefully that i will be able to i really like to be able to do more of just the science to be able to try to isolate those things and have them tested
0: so I threw out another topic in the chat that was uh, heat management, because I don't know if I've seen any other questions in the chat. I know Kyle has to get going in the next few minutes, so I'll pass it to him first on this topic and see if, uh, Kyle, I know that you've definitely managed some heat and uh, probably the summertime over there. But uh, just curious, what are your general tips for how to manage heat in your grow, as a lot of people are dealing with heat waves right now?
4: Well, I will say that my life has changed uh, switching out from HPS because <laughs> man, you need you need some serious shit when you're using those things. But um, now that I have LED, I mean, I just basically have a, uh, I went to the local grocery store and I mean, it's a little bit of money, so it's not technically cheap home grow, but it was like, I don't know, maybe three 300 or 350, but it's like, I think a 14,000 BTU with, uh, and I think I said this last week too, but the, the, the key is definitely having a, a an intake and an exhaust set up on it not just having uh, an exhaust having both is is cool because it is it's a closed loop system too so it doesn't really allow for outside influences to come inside and you know whatever whether it be pm or something like that but so i have that hooked up in my in my spare bedroom uh for my my home grow and uh i basically just have that thing set for like uh i think 70 or 72 and uh, i mean that thing just is basically on 24 hours a day obviously because it's extremely hot but uh it does well, you know. I mean, I, that's just what I've been doing, and it's, uh, you know, I have two eight-inch. Uh, so I have a four by eight and a four by four in that in my spare bedroom, but I have two eight-inch uh, silent AC fans, which aren't the real actually reasonably cost-effective. They're not expensive at all. Uh, down in the in the lower in the lower eight-inch hole, so I'm, that's where I'm pumping in the, the the cool air, and then I have exhaust on the top, the top two, eight inch on each side of the, the four by eight, uh, exhausting into a carbon filter. And that's just basically my entire setup in that room. Uh, and it does, it's, I mean, I, I, I just checked my thermometer not the uh, basically every day when I come home from work and it's roughly around, uh, 78 to 80. So it's, I would say it's pretty manageable and they're pretty damn happy in there.
0: What's uh, the high you're comfortable with temperature wise?
4: Uh, well, I mean, not to like toot my own horn or nothing, but, uh, I just let them run, man. I mean, all the varieties I have have been like pushed in way, you know, cause all the, a lot of the gear I have are just things that I've brought in forward from when I first started and they, they did fine in a hundred and something degree temps with like no, no air. So, I mean, they all do extremely well, but I mean, I guess if I started getting worried about stuff, probably like anything past like 95, then I have to like, I'm on like something needs to happen like today. Like there's a problem, but, uh, but, yeah, I've been in the nineties. I mean, they're, they're just loving life. Uh, you know, I, and I've, I think I've said this before, ever since I did that whole stress testing thing, which if anybody's trying to breed, again, I can't really stress enough that, you know, just basically, if you really want a good starting position is to really kind of mess those plants up to to ensure that, you know, the the, the, her and then the S1 progeny to see where they stand. But I mean, I haven't checked for intersex issues in a year and a half. I haven't even looked once. It's not even on my mind with any, when I go to my tent at all. Um, So it's just really important to to do that uh, in regards to that, but. Um, but yeah, that's when I, would say around, you know, nineties, I'd probably, probably start getting a little bit worried and I should probably do something because they might be a little bit stressed out, but, um, but yeah, I got to jet you guys. I really appreciate everything we're doing. Sorry for cutting it early. Uh, it's, I'm on the East coast, so it's a little bit later than most, but I have some things I got to do today, but, uh, yeah, my name's Kyle Reader. Uh, if anybody wants to reach out to me, I talk to everybody, Facebook, Instagram, uh, email, my email is predicatedbreeding at gmail.com. Again, I know you guys said that earlier for people that don't really have social media, uh, feel free to reach out. I talked to everybody. If you're looking for Feminized Seeds, I have a website. It's the letter P followed by breeding.com. And uh, yeah, I'm really happy we're still doing this, man. I think we're close to almost three years or something, I think. But uh, yeah, happy to see you guys. I and mean, we're all still doing this and I'll see you
0: guys next week. Thanks again for joining us, Kyle. And definitely be sure to check out pbreeding.com if you're looking for some uh, seeds, feminized, autoflower, uh, some really good stuff coming out of Kyle's camp. And I remember him doing that stress testing and talking about it and a lot of the ways that he tortured those plants to make sure that he wasn't going to be sending out a bunch of Hermes. And I haven't seen any people reporting really uh, Hermes from his genetics. So, and he sent them out to lots and lots of people. So that's a good uh, measure of, you know, testing and making sure that your gear is legit before it got into people's hands. It seemed to work out pretty well. So I'm happy for you and the people. So have a great week. And we'll see you next week, Kyle. Peace Thanks out, Kyle. You. Later, guys. Kyle. I know Kyle uh, actually... First- Breeds mostly with uh, females, so this question wouldn't have been directed really too much at him uh, anyway, but Johnny Summertime asks, what makes a male an ideal breeder male? And I guess I could pass that to uh, the American one and then Brandon after that, and maybe I could toss my thoughts in after that.
5: I would say it depends on what your goals are, you know, and what you really want to use it with. I got some males I want to use. I think that they're going to like help the structure out on other plants. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I have uh, one male that, yeah, just because of the flavor, I'm going to keep it uh, because of its uniqueness. So, yeah, it depends on what you're going to use it for. So I have a lot of different reasons for wanting to keep a male. And, uh, yeah, the only way I think you can really test it is grow out the offspring, it's the only way you're going to know what what the male really has to offer, you know?
0: I think that's really, really solid advice, but Brandon, I'm curious what your thoughts are on uh, males and what do you think is an ideal breeder male?
2: Well, first, you know, one of the things that I'm actually currently doing is in this last hunt, I hunted out a couple of males and I picked the things that I personally like as far as the stature and the way they grow. And then, um, you know, what I did was I narrowed it down to how, you know, how vigorous were they? Cause I had different, um, you know, I had several different males of the same variety, you know, just different phenotypes. So I took one of them, the one that I thought was best out of everything and I crossed it into a couple of different varieties. So I'll run through those to see what that particular male has. I still have the progeny, the females of the best phenotypes out of the whole hunt as out of all of the different varieties. And so I can compare through the different phenos, you know, uh, and the different varieties, what the males passing on. And if I don't like it, I can go back to some of the other males that I have saved to the same varieties that I haven't used yet. So. Like for me right now, I hit everything with my limelight, which is my limerilla breeder cut times Mac V two, and it was number twenty two out of like the, I think I had, I think I started off with like seventy different phenos of that variety. I narrowed it down to two two male plants that I liked, and then I used one of those males so next time around I could take the the specific phenotypes that I pollinated and I can hit it with a different male and I can grow those out and I can have something to compare them to Does that makes sense because what I did was I took like number 36 number 17 and number uh, you know 27 for instance I have those three those were like some of my best females of that same variety that i hit to that male to make f2s and i'll go through all of those to test just to do testing on them anyway and i'll be able to see during the testing and then i'll be able to go and take those same things i could cross those to the next male test those out and see how they do do the same thing just it when you are testing the progeny over a diff, oh, different varieties you can see where the male comes in a lot like when up with that lime one male that i used uh from the seeds i got from eugene you can see the 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 male side of that line come through and it's usually one is it comes in the structure with the huge broad fat wide leaves and it also comes in with that kind of rotten fruit lime uh terpene profile
0: do you have any thoughts on uh, now that you're using males, when you used to breed, you were using females like late flower, you'd get a little bit of pollen out of it. And you're using that to breed back in like the lime uh, original cross. And those days, um, and Kyle often quotes that, you know, when you're working with the two females, you actually get to see what you're getting from that female. And it makes breeding a little bit easier. In that case, in his opinion, did you have that same kind of uh, feeling compared to working with a male where it can be kind of a mystery until you run out the progeny?
2: No, it's it's you know I can hope and and be like oh man I hope the male passes on these traits that I'm looking at as far as like things like the stature and the height that they grow and hoping that you know the the best profiles that the females of that population express, hoping that it passes that on. But that's why it's a it's a gamble, you know, and I don't know what that is going to be. So that's why I select different males. Uh, I have. Like I ran through a shitload of black lime reserve. I planted 60 of those to, I ran through, I guess that's not a shitload, but I ran through like 60 of those and I selected out the best three out of those. And, you know, it's, and then I kept the best, I think four males. I have four males from that population, you know, and I haven't done anything with them. They're just sitting. I have an easy cloner that I just picked up. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, Easy clone. I'm gonna take several clones of each male. That way, I can cut them down, get rid of them out of my um, R&D box, and I'm gonna start over. And I'll use those. I'll use each one of those progeny because I'm looking for something specific in that black lime that is very similar to what came out when I crossed the MK or uh, the the purple kush grape god into the limarilla which is the death breath that i have and it's this man it just got this this the actual flavor it's almost like somebody put artificial flavoring in the weed
0: and it's
2: i want it be might able-
0: be the same thing i don't want to cut you off too much it really like in the case of methyl with the uh, the grape kool-aid that grape flavoring that is found in cannabis as well. Like that was one that literally blew my mind because I was like, this smells just like grape Kool-Aid and it tastes like all those grape candies and it tasted artificial. But then when you look up artificial flavoring, it comes from nature somewhere. So like it happens to be a certain type of grape or Lang Langs or whatever it is, but sorry, go ahead.
2: So I can smell this kind of musk in some of the varieties that come, uh, that are in the black line reserve. So I picked the three that had the strongest profile to me hoping that I can pull more of that out in subsequential lines or even doing inbreed lines uh, hitting like maybe the male to the uh, to the death breath itself and I think that I just my goal for the because I have another one I have the death breath times lime one BX that I didn't give out I didn't give it to anybody I didn't release it and I'm just running through that for because I'm trying to pull this specific flavor out and it's something that i haven't i haven't really experienced it before and it's really unique and i really really like it a lot and so i'm trying to figure out exactly and i'm not even sure it's terpene like you said it could be one of those uh, uh other chemical compounds an ester it could be an ester um but it's light like, or something it smells like a taste which is this it's like a tangerine grapefruit but it has this really really strong sweet pungent musk
3: like astringent kind of like grapefruits are kind of astringent yeah
2: it's it's like oh man it's it's hard to describe because it's it's very very pungent it's like you smell that you know exactly what it is like oh dude that's that's death breath um, and it has, like I said, it tastes exactly the same way, which you don't always get the, the, the a clear translation between what you smell on your nose and then what you are exhaling as the smoke. But the smoke has a full flavor to it. And that is one of the things that I'm like, dude, that's it. Like when you're smoking on a joint of that stuff, dude, you're just smoking like flavor the whole way through
0: I love it when you could taste it to the very last hit. That is, uh, to me, the sign of a good, high, flavorful cannabis. And uh, there are a few few out there that definitely have that flavor all the way to the very last hit. The American one, I made you host a little bit back. I don't know if you still wanted to share the photos or not. Um, But there was a discussion a little bit going on in the chat that I wanted to address. And I would address uh, Smot Poker and I think it was Chad Westport. They are talking about near-infrared and a little bit of discussion. We had that exact conversation like three weeks ago when Dr. MJ was on. Not to like say go back and listen to this other podcast, but that study that they're quoting runs way more near infrared than any of us will ever have in our room. Like Even if you had security cameras on all day, um, you're not going to have that much near infrared. They were pumping so much of it just to, for the experimentation of the study, um, unless you're running that specific grow lighting. And the other comment was like, well, what about things that bring on photosynthesis outside of the PAR range? The BPAR concept I talked about, biological plant active radiation has been outside the pie range and looked at for a little while. And I'd encourage you to look at that. But the American one, I want to get your thoughts and update on <laughs> this oh, yeah, wild plant. That's still a cannabis right there? Yep, yeah. It's, been, it's like that a looks year like old. A, now.
2: That looks like it's infected.
5: Dude, it's been around since October of last year. So this is July 30th. Hey, let me go back a couple. I, when I put it outside, it was bigger. And then it got smaller. So like, it is June 15th it was a midget and then it actually got smaller and here it is on july june 16th. the sun beat it down i thought it was going to be dead and then i just left it out there and it continued to keep going so i just let it keep going and it is getting bigger let's see august 6th i think it's crazy looking it's august 19th now this
2: picture Make sure if you do any pruning, to wash your scissors.
5: Yeah, I had it. I had it amongst all my other plants, and nothing else got funky. So I don't think it's a contagious situation, but I have no idea. But it's, it's the big, butter cheese.
0: Uh, I remember you had like a few other ones that yeah. were perfectly fine.
5: Yeah, that's exactly what it is—the butter cheese, which is uh, Platinum Dosi by Cheesequake. Actually,
0: that's a mutant, in my opinion.
5: There's definitely something going on there. It almost looks like there's male flowers, but it's just so freaky. I can't tell, but yeah.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if it was a combination of a mutant and some sort of virus, viroid. Who
5: knows? That's very possible, but it hasn't spread to anything or any other plants or other. You know, I have other plants out there too right now.
0: (laughs) I think you're right to have isolated it and put
5: it outside. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to leave it there.
3: Yeah, it's kind of stunted, right? And so like yeah, just thinking funny. of it, just thinking from like a physiological perspective, you know, that could be a genetic mutation that could just be a that could lead to all numbers of things, like maybe a hormone issue, maybe um maybe it is a pathogen, maybe it's a virus or something. Um, but you know, it's hard to really know. Sometimes you just get weird mutations.
0: Yeah. This so. has become our freak sideshow of the cheap home grow. So we have to have f- occasional updates every month or two just to check in on it, then keep uh make sure if it's still alive and uh any any pertinent updates. So as I'm long glad to be I'll
5: show you what it's looking like. Yeah, you know it's novelty thing now. I'm not thinking it's gonna be
0: uh you're not betting your life on its I, yield, yeah. Say.
5: The party, yeah. I'm not I'm not counting on uh an in- an insane amount of seeds to put me into retirement. Well, for that thing,
0: <laughs> if you re host me, I wanted to show a little chart yeah, see how when Brandon your- was talking yeah, about yeah. the esters that might show something that might uh trigger a thought in his mind because it, it's revealed a few things to me that helped me dive down little rabbit holes to like just discover what is making the smell most likely in the cannabis that I'm consuming. Um, but thank you, the American one, for hosting me. I will go ahead and right. share I my died. screen share so got my little thing up over here let's see oh i had this problem before i don't know if we'll let me zoom let's see scroll over
2: oh yeah see i'm gonna have to go through some of that and see if there might be something that i could relate to it that could be how do you get those tested man how do you even get esters tested like you'd have to hplc
0: find like- it comes right through in your hplc if you ask for it um, on top of terpenes and cannabinoids, it should be. I want be to see included. if I can
2: find a lab that can do that out here. Cause it's not something that that I, that I know nobody's asking about that. I don't even know if they if they would.
0: Fucking Google Images telling me right now.
2: But hey, I have to go, guys. Um, sorry, to cut out early, but uh, I have to put groceries away and dinner
3: totally understandable so i'll see you all next week
0: all right okay. everybody you can find them uh at rust.brandon bokashi earthworks.com for the products if you want seeds uh brandon before you go uh he already left but i was gonna say we had a question about the malawi dog sorry about that sour diesel tangy i was pushing that off i didn't know uh brandon was gonna jump out on us there but this chart right here this ester chart has helped me find like um pineapple smells that were in cannabis like these uh things listed on the sides. It's the number of carbons. The top is also number of carbons and it just shows a whole bunch of different uh, basically flavors that you can find in fruit and different things. So you could go through and like, oh, that has a berry smell to it. And then you look this uh, chemical property up and then you can cross-reference, is that found in cannabis? And then many times there's a study or some reference that says, oh yeah, here's cannabis that was tested that has this element in it as well. So it's not just terpenes. It's not just cannabinoids. There's esters and flavonoids and ketones and aldehydes and a whole bunch of other shit that goes into it. And um, I think it's really fascinating the whole science of the smell. So um, I'm glad that there are other people out there that appreciate it now with the cannabis and uh, breeding perspectives. I know Brandon is breeding some really fire shit that a lot of people are liking and enjoying and buying the seeds and growing them out. So uh, I'm glad that he was able to join us this week again. And as far as the question earlier, before we get onto some other questions about male selection for me, I kind of, like Brandon mentioned earlier, wishfully think I have a male from a population that I have a good idea of what the females in that population looked like. So I look for the best structure from when it popped from the seed. Like, did it grow vigorously? Is it uh, symmetrical? Is it uh, vigorous and it, mainly vigor? Um, good. Like, is it responding well to the light? Can it handle high light, low light, things like that? Uh, does it get really upset on transplants? Like other things like that. I try to just want an uh, easy to grow plant. Um, but also frost on the males. You can tend to find certain males over other males will actually have more frost, whether it's in veg or in flower. So I look for the frostiest because with the females, I'm looking for the frostiest and it tends to have correlations, but it's not always a guarantee. I do believe crossing the male to any female you want to work with and then running out the progeny is really the only way to know. Otherwise, you're just guessing. And if you're selling those seeds, they're not tested. (laughs) You have no idea and it's your best guess. And I think a lot of people are getting conned into buying seeds like that because it's really easy to take a male hit a bunch of females and then you have all the seeds from that progeny. and you say i have this cross like look at my menu they list the male up top and then they list a whole list of females and go check do they have a group of testers because some some breeders do you can see the people growing them out months before that they're released a lot of breeders don't so i would just uh, caution people to do some research like if you're going to grow them for a few months and invest your time and money into growing it then do the research look at who the breeder is. Is it somebody you want to support personally as a a human being or does that matter to you at all? And what kind of uh, reviews are they getting from other people that aren't just their own personal brand page? So uh, be skeptical, but there's definitely a lot of really good shit in the community. So (laughs) check people out. And uh, it's, I don't think there's ever been a better time to be growing cannabis than right now there's so many great options i like can't even choose which seeds i want to pop next i'm a few weeks behind because i'm like i want to pop these and i'm like ah oh, wait i want to fucking pop these like, i have some gear from brandon that i really want to pop but i have some other stuff that like, i paid money for and i'm like i don't want it to just sit and get get old you know yeah, i am on this hunt for pine so gotta go through these 79 christmas bud and the pine tar kush but it's a not, not a bad problem to have so i'm curious uh spartan did you have anything other than the um Snow canes that you're looking forward to popping coming up?
1: I've always got stuff I got so many fucking seeds, dude. First, I want to shout out Honey Bear Casey. You reminded me that uh on this same channel, the Hydro Hustlers is going to be airing on Wednesday. So tune in for that if you're available. But uh yeah, what do I have behind? So I'm going to continue. I've already said it. I'm going to continue to pop the V2 seeds from Snow Cane until I find something better than my Snow Cane. And then uh, until I either run out of seeds or I don't or I get rid of, you know, find a keeper. And then, um, let me see. So behind the ones. Yeah. So my next ones I have are from, uh, actually from Kyle, he sent me uh, some, so I'm going to probably pop some of those next. And then behind that, I don't know. I'm kind of, it may change, but I'm, I'm thinking I might pop Newberry from, uh, DJ short. I've got those. And, uh, I'm thinking if I find a male out of that, I could work that into my bliss bud. Because that Newberry is supposed to be an anti anxiety, anti anxiety, uh, uplifting strain, and that's kind of the direction I'm looking for with Bliss. I was kind of thinking Newberry as a candidate for uh, a male to work a male in there and get bigger back. I mean, as they're pretty vigorous as it is, but I just want to get a, a good, sturdy male and to mix the genetics up in there dj short's pretty damn uh,
0: credible breeder to be looking for a male in the stock of and newberry yeah, has sure. received some pretty good reviews from what i've seen so far dj has been around since working on his stuff since the 70s but publicly releasing it since the uh 90s so i think that'd be a cool one to see you work with i was going to say earlier when brandon and kyle were talking about the tie high that they got that was kind of like that longer creepy or like creeping it doesn't hit you right away it lasts like sometimes several hours uh, which you don't find in a lot of modern era cannabis in my experience. Uh, the blue dream had it. And one of the parents of that is the blueberry. And so I wonder if it was more than just like the Hayes parent on that. So, and DJ has talked about that for a long time, that his stuff lasts a long time. And that's why he doesn't enter competitions because it doesn't hit people right away. He like won one cup and then never entered cups again. Cause he's like, the blueberry is not one that is immediately appreciated. It doesn't whack you over the head with like a OG potency. So
1: yeah, and that yeah. cross the male was the blueberry too so that's the most worked so and then uh the, the female was uh what the fuck was it it was his haze line his uh it was like blue blue something
0: azure haze maybe
1: no or, it wasn't azure haze but it was something blue mystic or blue something like that it was the other side of it i just looked it up the other day i just looked it up today actually i don't remember <laughs> i should know but yeah, that's but one that's of newer ones it's that's, that's, literally called newberry <laughs> That's my loose plans. And plus, if I got some females, you know what? Uh, I'd be great to smoke some Newberry too. So I haven't had tried that yet. And those were gifted to me a long time ago by my buddy, uh, old man Hermit Hash. So kind of special because of that too.
0: He and uh, one of the other Michigan Bros. Grow show guys met, I believe, at a DJ
1: short like meetup. Yeah, right, Red Setter so. Farm. They yeah. both got the same pack too. They both had the Newberry. That's funny. That's so cool, man. Like, I, I actually
0: wanted to go to one. The last one he did in California, um, like pre-pandemic times, um, I like heard about it, but it's a little too late. It already like sold out and it came and gone. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I missed it. I feel like such an idiot. And I signed up and I was like email notifications, contacted the person at the local place. And I was like, next time he comes back, like, please notify me. I'll like buy your first ticket. They're like, all right, great. Yeah. Like they come back pretty much every year and then fucking pandemic hits. I'm like, shit, this is fucking he hasn't been peeking his head out out west at least uh,
1: recently. So I haven't seen him at any events. So I think he's he's waiting for it to all blow or before he goes back out. But I usually see him at least once or twice a year at one of the events. I haven't seen him at all this year.
0: Yeah, I think he's laying low for sure. That's uh, would be the case. I mean, these are opportunities. That I I was not going to lie. I'd be willing to pay good money to go to an event like that. I don't even remember what the cost was, but it wouldn't have really mattered. I would. have saved and figured out a way to fucking go because i really wanted after i read his book uh started breeding myself got really inspired just by like smoking his stuff uh listening to him on podcasts you know just getting to know about who he is as a person um i was fascinated about him and want to meet him in person someday so hopefully i'll get the opportunity because um he's definitely older and he's been around for a long time doing it so I, i hope i have the pleasure of meeting him in person someday so and again if he's out there listening or if anybody knows him uh reach out to him and let him know he doesn't have to meet us in person. We could do a digital meetup. If he wants to come on the growing with my fellow growers, he's more than welcome on this panel. Uh, We've got several people that here that are big fans of growing his gear and um, would definitely love to hear from him because I haven't seen him even do online interviews or anything in a little while. So it's uh, been a while since we've heard from old DJ short and he's a pretty awesome dude. So he deserves that time. But um, I have a good question from law Rudy earlier. They asked, I think I have septoria on the outdoor. It looks like brown spots with rings. And Lou Rudy, maybe you could DM uh, Sink Angel. I think that'd be the best person. Um, images on Instagram, potentially, that might work. Um, or even me, Jack Greenstock, or Chief Home Grow. No, don't do Cheap Home Grow. They won't respond. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, I think sending a photo would help. But I'm curious, Matthew, just from that description, uh, what are your thoughts on law? Lou Rudy's question?
3: Yeah, so, um, I mean, I could answer it assuming that it is septoria, but uh, it does kind of sound consistent so far. Um, There's a few different, like, there's a few different things that, like, a brown spot can kind of look like. So sometimes they've got, like, a a violet halo around the the brown spots. So the brown spots were, like, usually the lesion is, like, necrotized tissue. So, like, the pathogen is, like, necrotizing the tissue and feeding on the... um, the substance that comes from that process. And so then that gets wider and wider, kind of like how a tree grows kind of like wider and wider over time. You know, like the living bark is in the middle and then the more like dead cambium uh, bark and all that. So it's kind of like that, but in, I guess, reverse. (laughs) So for Septoria, um, I find that um, I've had people have uh, a lot of um, good control with just simply cutting off a lot of the leaves uh to reduce like reinfection points. And also um and it's also it's helpful to see if you can find like like actual evidence and signs of like mycosis. So like fungi will sometimes will oftentimes at some point have like a a spore phase, right? Or like a uh uh not just spore it was like sporulation, I guess. So you'll have like structures that you can like actually physically look at whereas like bacterial brown spot or whatever like pseudomonas which is also something you might be seeing that looks very similar on the leaves will not have that like mycelia if that makes sense so that's a that's one way you can tell the difference but it's not always available for you to tell the difference but if you do see that then you might know
0: a good comment from uh smot poker says leaf septoria if I recall is rampant on tomatoes don't plant close because the question did say it was outdoor. And I do imagine a lot of growers and gardeners are planting within their other crops, maybe for stealth reasons, or just because that's how they like to grow their garden. But that might be one of your issues is check your surrounding crops or interplanted crops for issues as well that might be spreading it to them um, as part of your general IPM strategy. Good point from Poker.
3: I actually agree with that. I actually want to enhance that and say that Um, there are tons of septoria species and they go after tons of different kinds of plants. So not only tomato, but many other plants as well could be a vector. And we don't really know the dynamics of that, but there's a lot of other like really common pathogens that are also adding cannabis to their long, long, long list of plant hosts, like botrytis, for example, um, certain generalist powdery mildews and that sort of a thing. So I would not be, uh, I, I am not surprised at septoria and possibly even Uh, different pathovars of satoria might exist, and Pseudomonas uh, for that matter. Um, But to actually treat your uh, question, um, culling the leaves can be helpful, but it's not uh, the only thing. If you're not in flower, if you're in veg, um, utilizing like wettable sulfur, I find is really, really useful, and people don't tend to get reinfection. Um, If it's really humid and raining where you are, I find that both for um, bacterial spot, and for septoria, um, these uh, often really enhance the, the, the reinfection when you already had the problem and also the, um, the ingress of it in the first place. So I'm not sure if you're dealing with that right now where you are, but that could be a possibility.
1: I'm a big fan of sulfur and veg. When you're still vegetative, sulfur the shit out of it. It helps with lots of fungus.
0: Lots of everything. It kills a lot of bugs, uh, good and bad. So if you're using beneficial predators, make sure to do that beforehand, I guess, and uh, maybe wait a little while before applying the predators. But I know a lot of um, cultivators that are starting at the home grow scale, and they kind of expanded up. They've made it their business. They become breeders. Uh, Maybe they now grow for a lot of patients, or they've opened it up to a full-on business at this point and heard several of them swear by sulfur for veg. as pretty much their primary thing for IPM. Um, I'm curious, Matthew, what are your thoughts on, uh, just using only sulfur in veg and would you, um, go for a rotation with other things? Or do you think that people could get away on the home growth scale with just using sulfur during veg for, um, general things. I guess it's, you can't ever generally to answer because there's so many uh, places in the world that have so many different things, but.
3: That's true. Um, And that is my response. Essentially, it depends. But um, the, the thing is that I generally don't think it's a useful move to only rely on one product ever, basically. And especially when it comes to chemical pesticides, is it true? But wettable sulfur is kind of unique and special because it's elemental sulfur. Um, I believe I might be wrong there actually. Um, so don't quote me on that one, but it is I true that correct.
0: it's because it takes up the nutrient into the plant. And a lot of the times they like have a beneficial response, but maybe that's not directly from sulfur.
3: I'm pretty sure. I mean, different brands might do it differently too. So that's the other thing is that, um, you really got to know what your actual source is and what you're using to be just hundred percent sure. Um, and you got to be really fastidious in some locations more than others. But the reason why I think sulfur is a lot more um it's it's a lot less of a problem is because the the kind of mode of action for sulfur is different from like a toxin that a an insect or something can like develop a resistance to really easily this is like being resistant to like the caustic nature of like the water mixing with the sulfur and causing like a chemical burn essentially um so it's a lot it's a lot different in that way uh, so I think, of a, and it's also cheap, which makes it really, really great as like a great kind of, um, like, a you know, just to have like as a, as a general spray, I think that it, it is useful. And I think that's kind of what you're practically asking me, but I do feel like it has a great weakness and that you can't, or I really wouldn't spray it anywhere close to like flower time for kind of obvious reasons. Um, and then also, um, you know, sulfur does have some negative effects. If you're not wearing your PPE, um, you could potentially inhale or insulfate or something the sulfur in a way that might you might be really sensitive to in a way that your friend might not be. So just because somebody that you see is doing it one way doesn't mean that you're going to have the same reaction. And uh, I know many people who have learned that they were allergic or otherwise more than the average person sensitive to certain compounds so it's not how you want to find out you know
0: i think that's a uh, very well answered and um i agree there is probably a benefit to most people picking up more than just one product whether whatever it is sulfur or otherwise and doing a little rotation um but yeah very good points there and um uh, I had a question in chat, but I'm not going to address it because I guess I have some, I was blocked by this person. So I'm I'm curious if uh, Spartan or anybody else has grown their genetics, but I don't know if you guys have.
3: I'd like to attack the question from Honeybear Casey, which asks, um, what's the best way to avoid or treat if you have that uh, <laughs> beetle stem borders, they, they put the subject before the question. So they're asking about stem-boring beetles, and I just want to say that pretty much all stem-boring insects are going to have a really difficult time for anyone for the simple fact that you are dealing with two major problems. One, they're not really reachable by anything, but systemics, typically, systemic pesticidal agents, which you probably don't want to apply, into your cannabis meant to be smoked. The other problem is that even if you do find something that works, like maybe buveria gets in there, or maybe something else does, Uh, some sort of like a botanical insecticide that's not very toxic to people or that degrades rapidly or something like this even if you do that if you kill the larva inside your stem it will die and it will putrefy and that can (laughs) have problems too you okay Tao?
5: oh sorry i didn't realize i didn't have my mic off oops
3: no problem good good (laughs) yes no problems here um So so that's kind of the major issue, is that even if you were to find something that could kill them, you're gonna then be dealing with the problem of the cadaver afterwards. And um, if they're in the stem or if they're in a branch, maybe you can sacrifice that whole branch, but that's kind of unfortunate. Um, And if they get into your flower, it's the same kind of problem with like, uh, you know, budworm caterpillars. They will feed on the flower, but um, they die and then they putrefy and rot And then maybe even vector um you know a secondary or tertiary fungal infection that may also you know enjoy a plant host so that's my kind of reaction so to eliminate that problem preventatively which of course is easier to said you know than the curative situation um i like to use those mesh nests that i keep talking about um but if you have any pictures or video of the stem boring larvae or the stem borers that you think are laying those eggs, I'd be happy to take a look at that because maybe there's a more context dependent solution for you.
0: Are there any birds that eat those stem borers? I hear one squawking in the background. Maybe I heard an extra oh, yeah, there's a, show. There's
3: a, there's a great uh, murder of crows nearby.
0: Yeah. So I actually was listening to a different show where a uh, cultivator who's uses, I believe it's dragonfly earth medicine practices, where they try and like close all the loops and uh, have a very natural organic cultivation setting they mentioned that they actually liked having trees nearby, not directly over top of the cultivation because it would block sunlight and have lots of pests but they said having uh, certain birds nearby actually dramatically reduced the amount of pest management that they had to take care of because a lot of the birds actually feed on uh, insects that you know would be harmful otherwise to their garden and it's a interesting balance with the uh, nature of the people that try and really push like the most natural uh, they have like interplanting lots of other uh, flowers and things like that to attract pollinators and predators and things like that. It's uh, fascinating to see those people that have implemented it fairly well and are able to have success uh, year to year.
3: So oh, I think that's a, a really cool way to work in something that we call in ecology uh, diffusion, uh, which is kind of this concept that like uh, in the environment a plant's not gonna necessarily be like ever present although some are, are going to be, but basically insects have to find and locate their hosts. Well, if their host is diffused and dispersed into this like sea of green, right, the sea of many other plants that might look very similar, have similar shades of green or reds or yellows in their foliage, um, then it becomes much more difficult to locate. And so it's kind of like uh, being evasive. It's camouflage. And I think that's a a very cool thing that uh, is useful in some circumstances. And I'd like to see more people use it where appropriate.
0: We had an interesting comment, at least that I found it interesting, from dankovich who said they used uh, a product Regalia, and I'm just gonna read the whole comment. It says one plot treated last year twice with Regalia before flower, not a speck of mold or PM during harvest, uh, during flower or harvest. They said field plot that was untreated ended up with about 20 to 30 percent of some sort of fungus. So they were a fan of that product and had some success with it. I've also seen a lot of other people use the. Uh, Marone bio innovations basically a whole suite of products they have regalia uh i think renovate or something like that uh i'm probably mispronouncing
3: actually Actino-
0: er, regalia regalia i know there's another one that's for uh more targeted at bugs so, though uh,
1: yeah i think it's made by uh, biosafe so like uh, uh the fungicide is uh oh shit i'm just i want to say venerate no venerate
3: not Actinovate. venerate
1: um What's the uh Xerital? is the one that we use from them. But um we don't haven't used that uh I can't remember what you just said two seconds ago. I am too high right now.
0: It's that sour diesel that uh fucking it's the
1: regalia, the one that you water in. Regalia. I've been hearing that over and over again. Some people have been having some decent results. It's kind of like a somehow somehow boost their immune system or something.
5: Yeah.
3: It primes the immune system. It's, uh, it's really cool that, uh, apparently it's very common. Um, I've met Pam around myself and, um, I, I, I do find that some, in some cases they don't, uh, like, is there one of those things where they're really great as like a, they're a great support system when used with other things. Um, some people get frustrated because they feel like maybe they don't work as a standalone, um, but I mean, honestly, no chemical or biopesticide works well as a standalone in my experience anyways, so for long enough time anyways.
0: That was my uh, experience with Dr. Zimes. I was kind of using it as my standalone and eventually found something that wasn't able to take care of. So I've started like rotating and using other products as well. Uh, Venerate is one of their products. It's a bio insecticide is what they have it labeled as, but they have a whole Bunch of products. Regalia is another one I see. It's labeled as bio fungicide used with cannabis. Uh, but like Matthew said, it's not like it's gonna make you uh, impervious to anything out there. But I have seen people have good results that are diligent about using this with their IPM. There's another one. Amplitude is bio uh, fungicide. I haven't seen Stargus. Uh, Grandivo is the other one. Bio insecticide. That was more I think targeted at the actual like uh, bugs, the creepy crawlies. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, shelled things, but they have a whole bunch of other products that I haven't heard of. I don't want to make this uh, a <laughs> mirror own bio commercial, but I have seen people, like I said, a multitude of both commercial and home growers have some success with that. So mm-hmm. I um the only thing is the expenses on the higher end, but I don't think that you can really slack with IPM personally. I think it's worth the expense if it gets you to a successful harvest. Like Dankovich said, it prevented uh, all his. Uh, PM and mold in the one crop versus the other crop, he lost 20 to 30%. So now that he knows that he can do the calculations on what's 20 to, losing 20 to 30% of my crop worth to me, uh, both financially and like the emotional loss, you know, you spend all that time and money investing and growing in it. So when you go to chop it down, you've got, instead of like happy workers that are chopping out a dank crop, they're like, oh, there's like, you know, 30% of this is now gone. And our work that we put in is like, almost sort of went to waste in a sense. Uh, some people will extract it, but it's definitely not as good as it feels to harvest some good, clean cannabis. So definitely worth considering those and other products and ways of managing molds and, uh, fungus like that.
3: Small caveat though, priming the immune system does steal away nutrients for growth that you would normally use for uh, defense, but at the same time, like you said, Jack, um, this person still you know came out with a, a much better crop because the primed immune system was able to deal with things when they were small and didn't let them become like much more egregious. And so the math still worked out for the priming. So even if that's true, you know and I'd love to see more research on this specifically how to quantify it perhaps is important but um, even if you do prime the immune system, you still probably get uh, a net benefit.
0: I also really think that it can't be uh, overstated the importance of doing stuff like Spartan really well documented on his Instagram, like maybe a few weeks ago uh, at this point, but how he prunes his plant outdoor so that it's not going to be overgrown so the air can move through it and managing uh, at a smaller scale. Most home growers should be able to have the time to go through and manage your plant, at least to some extent, whether it's not just completely leaf on leaf in a, a giant bush where no airflow can go through it. There's leaves just Piled on top of one another. If you can keep it nice and clean, um, like he has his in that video, um, I think you're going to have a lot less problems with the molds and mildews. But even with that being said, uh, circumstantially, everybody's in like Florida, for example, it's so rainy. Uh, a lot of those people are going to have really tough times outdoors if they don't have some sort of greenhouse to keep the water off of their plants uh, late in flower. So it is situational, but in the places that you can kind of get away with the crop, um, you can do a lot of things to. Give yourself the best chance to not run into some of those issues without using any product uh, at all. So that is something to consider. The management. I got a DM. Got distracted. I'm sorry, Spartan. We got about five minutes left before you got to get run into uh, Michigan Bros. Bro show. Do you have any final topics or thoughts that you want to get to before uh, we get running? Before I don't want to. This isn't your sign out. I'm just curious if you have anything on your mind uh, from this past week or this show
1: in general. Um, really, <laughs> I've always got one thing on my mind. It's always in the back of my mind and that's, you know, protect rowers rights in your States and your areas get involved. So I'm going to take this few minutes and just remind people here in Michigan that on September 15th, we're going to have, there's a caregiver rally on the state Capitol at noon. And, um, I think it's a powerful statement that, um, Steven, the man I work for at Mitten Gardens, is allowing us all, and he's going to be with us, to go down there. We're going to work a half a day and then leave it to be up there by noon. And uh, we're going to be up there with the caregivers to throw our support. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, we're a commercial facility, but uh, we don't contribute to these uh, lobby groups, because that's not what we're about. We were all caregivers, and from the hard work off our backs, we are getting it done. We don't have millions of dollars of backers who've never touched a plant in their lives. You know, we're all caregivers that have grown the plant and know the plant, and uh, we're not about to shut the door behind us. We want more growers like us, not like these big corporate Chads and Brads <laughs> and Karens. I don't want to leave out the Karens. So, you know, I appreciate the support if you guys are out there. Um, come and say hi. We'll, you know, be happy to talk with you for sure. I don't know how much uh, I can have any product wise or anything because I'll technically, I don't know if they will be considered work or not at that point. We'll probably punch out, but I don't know. Just to be on the safe side, I probably won't have much with me. So, but uh, I will be there and I will be in support of the caregivers because that's just, that's just the world I want to see. So I can bitch about it or I can try to be the change. And that's, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be the change and uh, any supports appreciated for sure. I wrapped it up quicker than I thought I could.
0: No, it's all good, man. I think it's uh,
1: really important to remind people
0: that just because things go legal, doesn't mean the fight's over. Uh, A lot of times people, they're trying to roll back your rights, change your rights and uh, restrict them more often than not. And limit it to a certain pool of people who can only have access and that's the real unfortunate thing about this all is the fight initially was really, uh, for everybody to have access, both for medicine. And just, if like, you couldn't grow it yourself, you had the caregiver system and that's the back that the whole community was founded on before there were dispensaries and things like that. It was a few guys growing it at their house, indoor, or outdoor, whatever it was, and getting it to their friends, family, and, and whoever needed it. And it made its way down the line to lots and lots of people that benefit a lot from it. And those people are now being left behind and actually tossed in jail in some cases. So that is the world that they're pushing for on the more corporate level. And it's um, important that we make the consumers and growers aware because oftentimes we can just be in our own little bubble, like shut ourselves in. We've got to grow. Some people are growing their own food. They got their plot of land. And as long as they pay their property tax or whatever, and uh, don't fuck around too much, the government will leave them alone. And but then there is shit like this. Now you do have, they won't just leave you alone. Cause I think in Illinois, one of the parameters for being a home grower was they were going to have to have a police officer come to your house and inspect the area. Like, (laughs) like if cop has any fucking idea how (laughs) a proper grow setup is he an electrician no is he certified for cleanliness like a a restaurant would be no there's no real benefit other than to scare the shit out of you and say hey look this cop is coming over and he knows that you're going to set up your grow in this area and if it's a little too big for them they're going to start questioning "Mm, is that really just for you and shit like that so they do try to scale back your rights and they do try to get more invasive and personal and uh, I do think it's worth noting that we have to be aware of what um, the politicians and big businesses are doing, because oftentimes they work hand in hand and they have the money to pay these lobbyists. So we got to be aware of that. Yeah,
1: And I guess I was being a little um, cryptic, I guess, but just to fill people in in a few minutes is like what we're fighting here in Michigan is there's a lobby group called the MCMA, the Michigan Canvas Manufacturers Association, that has a lot of the biggest I'll say the biggest as far as how much money they have and how big they are as far as size and everything. Not quality. But uh, the biggest names in campus, they call themselves the big three, like the big three of uh, the car industries because that's a big thing here in Michigan. And uh, But there, there's, I don't know how many people are in this library group, but they've got uh, millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And they're pushing lawmakers now Still to this day, even in the summer months where they're not even really doing shit, they're still trying to f- shop around these proposals to lawmakers that are calling for like an eighty percent reduction in grow rights for caregivers, and then it's like a seventy-five percent for the uh, for just regular home growers. So not only does it affect the, the the medical market for caregivers, but it's affecting home growers too. So you know everybody likes to say, "Oh, I don't care. I'm not a caregiver." Well, it doesn't matter if you're a caregiver. Are you a home grower? even if you're not a home grower, do you enjoy homegrown weed? You know what I mean? It's, do you enjoy liberty? <laughs> Let me give you a
0: flashback to the fucking days of propaganda. They're, go to Reefer Madness. Go to even the last five, 10 years. Listen to any of these politicians that are anti-cannabis talk about cannabis. Go to a city council meeting like I have and hear the groups that are saying that they're afraid that their kids are going to die from using marijuana and that they're afraid that they're going to you know, they smell nauseous smells and there's going to be poison and the kids are going to have it in the streets and just the the fear and paranoia that these people have so all it takes for them is to make a war against the home grow which they're doing currently I've already seen some of these anti-home grow lobbies Uh, in some cases it's the corporate uh, growers here in California they don't like seeing that people are growing their own and not having to go pay 60 plus per eighth and so they're like hey these grows are going to catch on fire they're selling moldy weed to their friends and they're doing this and that and they're giving all these things and trying to scare people into taking the rights away from people that are growing for themselves so it's um in california we have to be diligent in michigan y'all have to be diligent i think in oklahoma we saw earlier uh i don't know if it was this year or last year at this point but they fought metric and didn't let metric come into their state which i think was a win for them so it shows that just uh, being diligent about these uh, cannabis related politics i know that we don't want to be political nobody wants to be fucking political until it affects you right so don't wait until it fucks you uh pay attention keep your head up and keep your eyes open uh that said spartan Girl, i want to let you give your final thought and shout out now that we've uh driven that point home i think
1: yeah after all that man really it's this plant's always been about love and uh i experienced a little bit of that uh, yesterday i loved going out into the community meeting everybody and sharing everybody's weed with each other and just talking weed and seeing you go to that event it was 90 it was over 90 it was blistering hot but there was smile on everybody's damn face nobody was you know freaking out and uh it's just the power of the plant. and and i'm still riding high on those good vibes so um i'm just i'm just gonna leave it with that with love man just growers love. And, uh, I'll see you guys next week. And, uh, if you guys want to hang out with me a little bit more, I'll be on in, you know, about 15 minutes of Michigan Grows grow show. We'll see you guys there. See you guys. Peace.
0: Thank you so much Spartan. You can find him at Spartan grown or Spartan at gmail.com. Always great having him. Uh, you can also see his commercial work at Mitten Canico. They're doing some really good stuff over there as far as the commercial market goes. But honestly, I'm most impressed by just his knowledge, uh, his hard work, his hustle, both at his uh, job at Mitten Canico. You can see he puts in the hard work while he's there and at home, his grow, he's killing it. Uh, But on top of that, he goes on shows like this for two hours. And then he goes on Michigan Bros show for two hours. And he's on GML on Friday night. And he's on all sorts of other shows. He's on these UK shows. He's really putting a lot of time into the community. So I got a lot of respect for Spartan Grown and his dedication to this plant. It really shows he's got the love and the passion. And uh, he's all in on it. So uh, I'm happy to see him have the success that he's having. And I'm very thankful that he's still a member of the show. So uh, big cheers to Spartan Grown. I hope that he gets a little bit of time with his dogs. He gets to get some water and refill his tray and stuff before he goes over to the Michigan bros bro show now. So, uh, cheers to him. Uh, now we've got just the three of us. So I'm curious, uh, I guess I'll pass it first to, um, the American one and then we'll go to Matthew for a little IPM update before we close out American one. Do you have any thoughts on, uh, the show so far or uh, general comments, questions? Uh,
5: not really. I, I, we covered everything pretty good. Uh, I do think that uh, I like biopest control, but because I do, uh, I have to agree that the sprays, you have to use different ones because they build up a tolerance. But I don't think they really could build up a tolerance to most insects that eat them. So that's always a thing that I think is a plus. But other than that, yeah, nothing really to comment about. Or uh, I've been busy lately, so I haven't been doing much reading.
0: It's all good, man. It's uh, I'm that way right now. I'm actually a few weeks behind popping seeds for my next run. I've just been putting it off and putting it off. uh, Super busy. I need to clean up my veg space a little bit and just I need to throw the seeds in some paper towel with some water, and then that way I'm just forced to fucking get going from that point. Uh, But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to those pine tar cushion 79 Christmas bud coming up, and the Amy aces that I've got in flower right now. It's a full probably two and a half, maybe almost three weeks ahead of the Donnie Burger next to it, so. It is uh, significantly more developed, but they're both looking good. So happy garden. Uh, happy life. Awesome. I was drooling over them too much. That's why I'm distracted. I'm not popping the seeds. It always happens every time I get shit in flower. I start getting uh, excited about it. Well, and I'm also giving more attention, you know, just making sure everything's all right and dialed in. And I forget, oh, I got to get shit going in veg now. So uh, that's the way it is. But Matthew, you've got about 10 minutes left. Do you have any uh, general comments on IPM or have you seen any good questions that you'd like to get to that we haven't? addressed yet
3: there's always time for ipm right (laughs) um let's see here uh well i i did mention the sclerotinia recently um and i do feel like uh you know recently i i was taking a walk outside and i've been seeing i don't know if you have as well jack but i've been seeing a lot more of those uh, sort of orb weaver spiders that are pretty common here in the South, Southwestern North America area. Um, uh, I mentioned this because this is usually the first signs for me more or less of when the seasons are gonna change um, from dry to less dry uh, around autumn time, late summer, autumn time. And so if you are also sharing that seasonal change um, like a lot of uh my friends are doing in the east coasts of uh, North America, people are doing a lot with um precipitation and humidity problems. Um, and I want to say that despite the fact that I'm a big fan of the mesh screen that I talked about, I think last week, this week I want to say that um there are some challenges and limitations to emphasize that with the mesh screens, and that's that, for example, um because they're small, tiny holes, you might get a shade, you might get a little bit of shade, but that might be tolerable. And uh, you might also deal with a humidity spike as the air kind of passes less permeably through, um, you know, smaller mesh holes essentially. And so you can kind of trap the humidity more that way. Um, and a lot of people are dealing with pathogens like we said today here, so I'm kind of not surprised, Pseudomonas, uh, Septoria, Sclerotinia, Um, you know, also some like pithium and phytophthora and things like this, um, to keep on those sorts of things, you know, crop scout every day, be, try to become familiar with the, the pests that you're actually going to deal with. Um, a lot of people ask me what's the best treatment, what's the best, they'll say like IPM spray or something like this, but really it's the reverse of that question. It's what are my threats and are they where I am? And whether they are or are they not, what are those treatments that are available for me? And uh, there are people that are creating, especially university contacts and things like this, um, that are doing a lot more of that research in hemp trials and that kind of thing. So I'm super excited for the next two to five years um, and seeing some of this information come out uh, a lot more. I say two to five years, even though it's been happening for a few years already, because I think that we'll get a lot more of the... Um, sort of bionomics data uh, multiple seasons of um, information and multiple year studies um, finalized and of course then they have to get published because if it doesn't publish who cares about it right unfortunately no shit
0: goes to pre-press now people are doing the yeah, pre that's true. papers and everything's <laughs> getting hype before it even gets published or peer-reviewed and not the peer review even means anything anymore because only like 20 percent replicates but not to shoot down science too much. I love it.
3: But. Oh, no. Well, well, some things, well, no, you make a, a really brilliant point. That's the other reason why I say two to five years because um, some people might find some things are effective uh, in some locations or, or whatever trials and they might be less effective in others. Um, especially as we uh, ramp up the complexity, if we're talking about like a sort of a chemical having an insecticidal effect, I would expect um, in a lot of cases for that to probably hold true in most places. Um, but you know, who knows, uh, we are constantly selecting for more resistant pathogens, more resistant pests, uh, cause the resistance oftentimes already exists and we're just killing the susceptible ones. And if we don't do that in, in the right way in aggregate, that can cause, um, uh, the populations to only be composed of those that are particularly strong against those threats that we give them. So just always keep frosty and, uh, switch it up.
0: That's a good tip. I think, uh, to comment earlier a little bit about what you're talking about with the, um, insect screening is, uh, if you are going into your setup before you're going in, you just account for a little bit more of the dehumidification or, or airflow with that, uh, I think would be an obvious thought, I guess. And then the other thing you mentioned was shade, um, in San Diego, I think the cultivation I'm going into is actually planning on using shade cloth just to get the highest quality flower generally, because during most parts of the year, we get so much sun here in a greenhouse environment that actually uh, people are finding a little bit better results with at least some shade cloth. Um, So if it blocks a a little bit of sun, that's not a huge deal, but at the same time, there's the supplemental lighting, which uh, we will be running at least in the cultivation I'm going to be getting into. And um, that can counteract some of those things. So the people out there don't be discouraged by the few drawbacks that come with the uh, insect, Uh, net that you have to put up but uh, it can all be accounted for it might be a little bit difficult but it's definitely doable
3: and worthwhile I think yeah oh sorry oh Oh, no 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 Uh, I don't want to bogart the conversation
0: no no no, it's all good I saw Tao unmuted there but he didn't jump in so I wasn't sure if he had anything to add
5: Does he? Yeah, I'm just having issues with my mute button. I'm gonna leave it unmuted for a little bit. It's all (laughs) good, man.
0: Yeah, there's no loud background noise or anything, so you you can stay off mute.
5: Uh, But yeah, I think sometimes it's useful to have some shade cloth, especially in the middle of the summer for some of these plants, you know, which would be a good thing. But yeah, towards the end uh, is when you're really probably most beneficial for nearing. And end for flying insects
0: now with the sensors there's so much you can dial in like you could have a sensor on top of your greenhouse and a sensor at the canopy and then those are communicating with your lighting system to keep a constant dli or uh, ppfd level whatever you choose to go about setting and like brandon was talking about he's like oh i keep my greenhouse at the minimum it's like 74 it's like the lowest it gets to 74 those plants are living a pretty uh easy smooth life you know it's it's yeah, like yeah. they can handle a lot colder uh, not that it would benefit them, but they can. And so the fact that he's keeping it in a pretty ideal range for almost the entire grow with uh, element uh, supplemented CO2 in a greenhouse with supplemented lighting, I can understand why uh, the performance has been so impressive. And it's been so fun to watch. I like this Bicket OG has got my eyes so much. I'm like, I want to fucking fly <laughs> to Oklahoma after that harvest is done and like try some because it just looks so appealing. Um, so, and it's two of my strains that I enjoy a lot, GMO and cherry pie, which... I think are going to make a killer combination the people of Oklahoma are in for some really good flour there. But um, with no further ado, we're coming up to the uh, two hour time point of the show. Uh, this is a live show that we do every week and we'll be back next week. But if you want to find uh, Matthew
3: Gates, where can we find you, Matt? You can find me in three major locations. You can follow the uh, account link that you see me talking in the chat with to go to my YouTube channel, Zentanol, where I talk about IPM related materials. You can also find me on Instagram at Sync Angel and on Twitter at Sync Angel. And I just reposted and posted on my Instagram a bunch of really cool, heady research about uh, insect microbiome um, symbiosis. And uh, explains some of the reasons why aphids and other insects are so really so great at uh, feeding on plants, uh, whether they have a, a high nutrient and Brix content level or not, because they literally have microbes that will make essential amino acids for them if they don't have them in their food um, and also help to uh, limit and degrade the plant immune response. So if you're interested in that research, take a look at it.
0: Thank you so much as always for joining us. It is uh, our pleasure to have you as always this week and next up the American one, where can the people find you? And any uh, final thoughts?
5: Jack always thank you for hosting. You always do a great job. Uh, it's good to be here every week. Good to see everyone in chat. Uh, yeah. No last thoughts really. I just uh, everyone keep going. And I'm the American one on YouTube and the American one underscore with underscore Keens on the IG and you can hit me up there or, uh, yeah, you can hit me up on my email if you're interested. Uh, S-C-H-L-E-S at AOL.com. We'll get you there. And uh, yeah, have a great week, everybody.
0: Cheers. Thank you so much for joining us, The American One. And I just thought of something at the last minute here that I want to show off before I give my final sign out. It's not any of my doing. Uh, there's some person allegedly in California who wants to remain anonymous, who refers to themselves as Granny Stormcrow, who's created what's called Granny Stormcrow's List, And if you scroll down, you can just Google those words, Granny Stormcrow's list. I'll send this link into the chat, though. Um, The really interesting thing to me is that there's more and more research. And if you look at the dates, it says uh, 2010 to 2020. Now, um, these are articles which you can click on uh, conditions and related articles. Then you can go through and say, like, if you have insomnia, you click on, like, I go to find insomnia and you'll find a bunch of white papers about cannabis related to insomnia and studies related to that. Uh, then there's the endocannabinoid system and uh, endocannabinoid system genetics, phytocannabinoids. So, if you're interested in the phytocannabinoids and you want to learn more about that, you can click on there and find studies from the dates broken down specifically 2010 to 2014, 2015 to 2020. If you're looking for more modern studies and things like that, but I'll go over to the conditions art- articles just for a second because I just find this very interesting. Uh, for anybody who hasn't checked it out, I don't think enough people know about this. I think it's a great resource. Um, so like I said, you can just go through, click on whatever letter, uh, like if you have insomnia or some other thing that come, starts with an I, you can scroll through. It's not the most perfectly organized, but you can see there's tons and tons of research. And I think it's a very valuable resource uh, to the cannabis community. And I've shared it with somebody who is seeking research uh, about a specific topic. And I was able to find it by using this. So I wanted to help, find, help people that are interested in the cannabis-specific research find it. And I think this is a great place. So... Uh, Shout out to Granny Stormcrow, whoever you are. If you are in California, cheers to you. Uh, They choose to remain anonymous, but they put out this great resource for everybody and they continue to update it. So cheers to them. I am Jack Greenstock, as you'll be able to see here in just a second when I stop sharing my screen. Uh, Right behind me, Jack Greenstock, there's my logo. You can find me on Instagram primarily or email me jackgreenstock47 at gmail.com. You can also get a copy of my book, 50 strains of green on 50 strains.com. If you're interested, I'm also on Twitter, Jack underscore greenstock. Thank you all so much for coming. It's been another fun week. I always enjoy doing this with the panel, no matter how big or small it uh, starts off as or finishes up at, uh, it's a great time. Enjoy these guys company. I enjoy the chats company. Uh, thank you all so much for coming back. I'm going to try and get this up within the next half hour on the podcast platforms. I did that last week that's usually my, my new goal. Uh, so hopefully the listeners out there that listen to the podcast, will get it coming as soon as possible. But for all those in the YouTube live, thank you again for joining us. Have another great week. Uh, this is Jack Greenstock sending out peace and love. And for Dr. MJ Coco growers love and Aaron, the grower, send some, uh, thoughts and prayers up there to ATG acres. He is still in the, uh, fire territory in Northern California. So, um, you know, thoughts and prayers to ATG. He's a good guy. That's why he wasn't with us this week. So we missed him, uh, but we'll hopefully see him again soon and hopefully he stays safe in his family. So uh, much love to him. I'll catch you all next week. Thank you.